Well, hello, Gray City family. Welcome to this week's edition of the Extended Cuts. This week, you just got me. Pastor Chris is away camping with some guys in our church. And uh, so, yeah, it's just going to be me and you here for a little bit talking about our Sunday sermon. The Extended Cut, if uh, you probably know by now, is an avenue that we've created to just dive a little deeper, to hash out a little bit more details and ideas from our Sunday sermon. Sometimes we don't have the opportunity to unpack everything that we'd like to. And then other times there's just elements that maybe didn't fit perfectly, but are great in the same theme or from the same passage. And so we've kind of created this as a space for us to talk a little bit more about some of these additional ideas. Before we go any further, I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to Sunday's sermon, go do that right now. Uh, It is titled Thriving in Babylon, Hope. Uh, You'll be much more fit to engage in this conversation if you've uh, checked out that message there. So go do that right now. You've been warned. All right, Uh, we're going to start just with a little sermon recap, kind of give you a quick couple minute rundown here of what Pastor Chris talked about this weekend. Pastor Chris preached an amazing message about hope. And we opened by considering the reality that hope has a variety of definitions in our culture. Uh, it can be this sense of wishful thinking, right? Like, oh man, I hope I get what I asked for for Christmas this year. Or it can often be this kind of like blind shot in the dark, like we might take a careless step and we say, I just hope this works out, right? It's often this kind of blind, wishful, I just hope everything goes the way I want it to. But the biblical understanding of hope is different. Um, Hope, like what we see in the life of Daniel or other great Bible figures, is a trust and assurance that God is going to be faithful to deliver on his promises. It's a deep-rooted peace, regardless of what circumstances look like, that God's way will prevail. So when we talk about growing in hope, which comes by knowing God and believing in his promises, we do this by reading the Bible and uh, learning to know what is true of him. We have this incredible blessing of God's word, which has been preserved for almost 2,000 years that tells us the history of God's people that tells us all about who God is, what he's promised to us. And it's a resource that you and I have access to every single day, whether it's print, whether it's digital, like we could literally dive into it anytime. It's the primary means that God has given to us so that we could continue to know and grow in the knowledge of who he is. And then secondly, we can do this by remembering our stories. We can do this by continuously reflecting on the ways that God's been faithful to us. God is still alive and active today, and each and every one of us has the opportunity to sit back and remember the amazing things that God has done for us. This is what we see all throughout the Old Testament. The people of God, the Israelites, would reflect through psalms and through hymns and different avenues like that, that they would remember their history. They would remember how great God had been to them. And it was this uh, faith-inspiring process that reminded them of the hope that they have, not a wishful, just, man, we really hope this gets better. We hope this turns out the way that that we hope it will. It's, it's like an assurance that God has said this, so we can trust that that is going to come into reality. And that's really, really exciting. So we do that 
by reading the Bible, and we do that by remembering God's faithfulness in our own lives. And secondly, we talked about guarding the inputs of our lives. There's so many things in the world around us that could input constant negativity, social media, politics, uh, bipartisan news uh, outlets, like or partisan news outlets, sorry. Uh, there's all these different means that can just be inputting all this data and information and ideas, and it can be so depressing. It can be so discouraging. And one thing that I love that Pastor Chris talked about is, is we just said, we got to guard it. We got to be careful with it. We got to put limits around the inputs in our lives because we don't want to just like close our eyes to the realities of the world around us. That's that's not what we believe we're called to be as followers of Jesus. But we do want to say like, hey, there's a certain level of this where it gets unhealthy, where it's creating and forming in me an anxious heart that no longer trusts in God's promises, that is starting to doubt that he could ever redeem things like he says he would. And so we guard the inputs in our lives and we go and we reprioritize the inputs like reading the word, like prayer and remembering what God has done in our life. And as we shake up those inputs in our life, we're going to see that hope is much more easier to find. And then finally, we concluded with the idea that oftentimes focusing on the size of our problems leads us to forgetting the size of our God. And so it was an incredible message. I encourage you to go check it out if you haven't and you've proceeded on with this. Uh, like I told you not to, that's okay, because that was a, a pretty fair uh, rundown of the sermon, I think. Well, so... I don't have Pastor Chris here to ask the standard couple questions that I would ask him about um, what was what did he enjoy putting together in it, what was difficult, all those great things we've been working through over the past couple of weeks. You just got me, uh, so I'm just going to tag along and uh, kind of continue on like sermon part two almost, if you will. I've just got two points, really short, really sweet, things I've been stewing on, things that have come to my heart, my head, as I've been... Uh, just thinking about the implication of Chris's sermon from Sunday. The first, um, the first thing is that uh, that's come to my heart, that's come to my mind, is the story of Jesus calming the storm in the Gospel of Mark. Mark four tells of Jesus and his disciples crossing a sea together, and while they're on their way to the other side, uh, the storm gets really chaotic, gets really out of control, and the disciples are freaking out. They're really, really scared, um, but. All the while, Jesus is actually in the back of the boat, sleeping peacefully. And in awe of the wind and the waves, the disciples wake up Jesus because they're terrified. And more than just being terrified, they actually come to Jesus and they start to accuse him of not caring about them. They say, like, we're going to die. Don't you care? Get up and help us. Get up and do something. And immediately Jesus stands up, calms the winds and the waves, and humbles them to remember who he is. And when we think about this idea of letting the size of our problems and issues get so big that we forget about the size of our God, this is a great biblical example of this happening. The disciples were in awe of the wind and the waves. They were overwhelmed by their power and their ability to wreak havoc on their ship. And, and um, they were terrified, so much so that they started to doubt and fear the, the reality of God's love for them. Like, 
don't you care that we're going to die? That's a big accusation. But in that moment, they were so overwhelmed by what was going on, so terrified and in awe of the wind and the waves that it was all they could do was just do that. And I think that throughout our lives, we have a similar tendency to do the same when we face overwhelming circumstances. Our awe and attention immediately goes to the issue rather than going to God who can provide assistance or rescuing from the issue. I remember hearing a powerful uh, sermon on this a few years back, um, is more than a few years back actually by now, um, by a pastor named Judas Smith. And he told this story of having recently read this passage and then going through uh, his father's cancer diagnosis. And having recently been like meditating and considering this, this passage and these principles, he was shocked to find that he was not overwhelmed when he learned about his father's cancer diagnosis. And the reason he didn't get overwhelmed is because he remembered how big his God was. He remembered that his God was the one that calms storms and restores things to peace. And all of a sudden, he was able to be a peaceful presence in his family. He got to be an encourager. He got to stand up in a time where cancer is so deserving of awe. Um, when, when we think about its ability to take human life, to, to bring destruction into whatever it comes in contact with. And he got to stand there and say, no, my God is bigger. And we're not going to let this shake our faith. We're not going to let this rattle our family. And he got to be a peaceful presence for his family when this happened. And it, it came shortly after having been reading and meditating on this passage. And a few years later in my life, um, my mom was diagnosed with colon cancer. And in a moment, that was probably like on just, if, if you were to guess, it'd probably be the scariest moment with the person I love the most in the world. I remember sitting there and I wasn't terrified. It was so, so strange to sit there and kind of almost be at peace because this story came to my mind. And I, I immediately remembered Pastor Judah's story and his reference to Mark 4. And this peace just overwhelms me. And I remember getting to be there. Like, I, I didn't cry. I, I didn't get rattled. I sat there and I told my mom, like, well, we're going to be okay. We're going to do this. Because my, my hope was much more than just even in the hope that she would beat this thing and that she would be healed, which, praise God, she, she did. She's been in remission now. And... Um, but my hope is in Jesus and his eternal like hold over death. And so regardless of what cancer could do in this lifetime, he could not snatch her up for eternity. And that brought such a deep peace to me that would have been terrible to have life without her. Absolutely. But I, I didn't fear the way that I would have if I didn't have the same kind of hope and peace that, that really was instilled from this, this Bible story here. When the wind and waves try to take your attention, remember how amazing your God is. Remember how powerful he is, how in control he is, not just in this life, but for all of eternity. And the second and final piece that I wanted to reflect on was the idea of trusting in God's promises. We talked in this sermon about trusting what God has promised, regardless of the circumstances, just knowing that he's going to be faithful to deliver what he said he would. Well, in the book that inspired so much of this series, um, 
Larry Osborne, the author of Thriving in Babylon, has reflected on a really cool promise that Jesus makes in Matthew 16, 18, that I thought would be really cool to just share and expand on a little bit. It said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And he tied this idea really well in this kind of exile theme in in a way that I thought would bless us. And he talks about how when we consider living in exile, we often think that that means we have to live a defensive life, right? Like uh, we would assume that means that we got to hunker down, hold tight, don't let the enemy score. We need to play defense here. We have to preserve what we've got. But here's where Matthew 16, 18 makes that conversation really interesting. If Jesus is talking about the gates of hell, wouldn't that imply that Satan and the kingdom of darkness are the ones who's on defense here. Gates aren't used to attack, but they're built up in order to defend from an attack. And I think where Christian culture often gets our role wrong in the world is that uh, we think we're supposed to always be playing defense, defend Christ, uh, create and defend Christian communities, prevail against the ongoing forces of darkness that oppose us. And well, I think there's certainly an element of that in the Christian life, especially in certain circumstances. Don't hear me wrong. That's, that's not necessarily always wrong. Um, we need to remember that Christ has called us to an offensive mission. We were called to go. We were called to make disciples. We were called to preach the good news, to make an impact and fight against the kingdom of darkness that has had a hold on this world. We're called to take part in the kingdom of heaven, coming to earth and kicking out the kingdom of hell, the kingdom of darkness that has prevailed and trapped people in sin and darkness and destruction. On the cross, Christ defeated the kingdom of darkness and he's inaugurated his kingdom coming into earth. And you and I have been invited to participate, helping kick hell out of earth. While the ultimate and final victory will come when Christ returns, you and I have an opportunity here and now to take part in what God is doing, redeeming the world from the darkness that has prevailed, ushering this new kingdom of life that God has promised. So because of that, we can live bold and fearless lives because we can trust that God's promises is true, that when we stand up to the gates of hell, we will be the ones who prevail. Because Jesus' kingdom is here and now, there is power available to us now to stand up to the darkness in the world around us, to play offense, to not always be the ones having to take the shots, to be trying to preserve and just hold on to whatever we've got. But we get to go out there and we get to make an impact for what God is doing in the world around us. And one day we can trust that he will also fulfill the promise that he's going to return and eradicate sin death, and Satan forever and ever. So we live on mission. We live bold and fearlessly because we trust in his promises. Well, there's so much more that we could dive into here. Um, But with it just being me, I think that it's probably a good idea that we just stop at a couple different examples. I pray that these thoughts encourage you and inspire additional prayer, thinking, and conversation with others around you. Uh, We just so appreciate you tuning into this so far. The extended cut has been kind of our, probably our best received 
ongoing podcast out of this new wave of things that we've been doing. And so we're grateful for your feedback. We're grateful for you leaning in with us here. We pray that these conversations would continue to bless and encourage you as uh, we just continue to try to take away more and more from these Sunday sermons. We're grateful for Pastor Chris and for all the other voices that God brings in to help lead our community. And uh, we pray that this would be an avenue that continues to bless you. Next up on the podcast on Friday morning, you're going to get a conversation between me and Tyler and Michelle Smith for our inaugural episode of Marriage Matters, a monthly uh, podcast episode here from Grace City Eugene about marriage and the matters of marriage because marriage matters. How many times can I say matters in marriage? Um, so until then, I love you. Have a great week and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>